Welcome to a traveling carousel of delights. It's Dracula, Frankenstein, and the Wolfman in House of Frankenstein. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. Hike. <laughs> calling the audible this week. We are calling an audible. Uh, that's what that reference is to. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to that. Welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast, the bargain basement of the Monster Podcasting Airwaves. This week, as we try to stay alive, we're not discussing two films. We're just discussing one film. That is House of Frankenstein. With me this week is... The hunchback with the bunch sack, Alex. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, and my muddy buddy, Eric. Ooh, I get um, uh, I've I must have fallen into the quicksand, I guess. Yes. <laughs> and been warned about it multiple times. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we... we uh, we're calling the Audible this week. We originally had planned to do a double feature, House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula. But I think after watching House of Frankenstein, we both agreed there's enough content here in this one film for an entire episode. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I, I have seen I have seen um, quite a bit of House of Dracula at this point. Uh, I did start that. And I, there's a lot of comparisons. So I think what we're going to do, Alex, is Next week, MVM Plus, we will definitely um, touch on some of those comparison pieces. And I'm sure in the episode itself, we'll touch on some of the comparison pieces between these two films. Um, but yeah, it, House of Frankenstein, I think we have enough to talk about this week. Yeah, for sure. I, I, that's, I, was, I was getting ready to start uh, the second movie for our doubleheader, House of Dracula, and I texted you. And I was like, I think there's enough in House of Frankenstein for an episode. Yeah, like, yeah. And you're like, I completely agree. And I'm like, sweet, can't wait. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, There is some controversy, right? Some, um, oh, a little bit of controversy this week, Alex. Uh, Some chronological controversy, you might say. Some of our listeners, aka my brother, was a little bit, um, (laughs) his his OCD (laughs) was a little bit uh, disturbed this week when we we did our. Well, yeah, because we went out of sequence <laughs> and did the mummy films together. <laughs> uh, he was a little bit uncomfortable of going out of chronological order, oh, as I'm sure a lot of our audience must feel the same way, right? If if one of you felt the same way, if we're yeah. being, I, that's why I, I was like, I think Alex felt that same way too. <laughs> <laughs> I did a little bit. I did a little bit. I was like, but it's a conversation piece, you know. It's a, it's a better film to compare. If we were comparing The Mummy's Ghost with House of Frankenstein, it would be pretty random, honestly. Uh, so it was it was to kind of put together two films that were a conversation piece. And I think it worked decently well. Though this, this week... We decided not to do the doubleheader. Uh, we, we will do a doubleheader again, I'm I'm sure, at some point. Uh, but we did decide to do House of Frankenstein. If you've already watched House of Dracula, 
well, you're in luck. That's what we'll cover next week. Yeah, yeah. We're sorry about the audible. We really didn't think we'd have to call it, but uh, yeah, <laughs> here I we are. Makes, I think it makes the most sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get into House of Frankenstein then, shall we? Yeah. All right. As has been noted by some of our listeners, the House of Frankenstein is Universal's version of Toho's Destroy All Monsters. We've got returning and new stars for familiar faces. We've got a crossover that features not just two, but three, almost four if you include the Hunchback monsters in what was kind of the first Avengers film, Alex. But Destroy All Monsters left us wishing it lived up to its potential. Does House of Frankenstein do the same, or does it deserve a claim? I, I don't think many people would argue that this film uh, lives up to its potential. That being said, I don't think it's really without merit either. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got some compelling ideas in it that I really appreciated. And the way it used its monsters, I was actually mostly okay with. Um, I just think all of them needed a little extra oomph. The film just needed more time in the cooker and more time to breathe. I feel like, because it just mm. feels like we're rushing maybe a little bit, uh, too much from one point to another. But I think if a little more time had been taken, we really would have had something special here. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> we can praise the film for being concise and being short. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and not feeling dragged out. This is a film though. Whenever you have three monsters that have been the leads in their own films that are just as long, this is a film that needs to be stretched out a little bit. So I, I'm with you on that. Uh, yeah, of course, there's more that could have been done here. Um, but at the same time, I'm pretty pleased with what we got. Essentially, we've got two separate stories in this film, connected by Boris Karloff's character, Dr. Neiman. He's the driving force of the story. And... Let me tell you, he captured my attention right from the very beginning of this film. Um, So when it comes to the two stories that are presented here, the first one we get is the Dracula arc, and the second one is the Frankenstein-Wolfman arc. And for me, I enjoyed that first arc more than the second arc, even though it had less screen time and did have some issues of its own. the, The issue that stands out to me is that I'm not yet sold on our new Dracula's performance. Though I know John Carradine uh, or Carradine will return next week to reprise his role in House of Dracula and maybe he'll redeem himself a little bit. But <laughs> there, there are just a couple moments um, that I, I wasn't sold on. But I was sold on the newlywed romance. I think it was between Rita and Carl were their character names um, at the beginning. Oh. And I, I loved the heroism of the groom, the new groom, as he jumps on that horse to ride after his bride in the chase scene, which was really, that entire sequence was fantastic. I was like, man, this is really good. Uh, I was on the edge of my seat. Uh, (laughs) So I I love like that, that moment when Daniel uh, climbs on top of the car and he's jumping across. It's so good. So good. Very cinematic. It had me fully engaged. I was like, I'm into this. The music is awesome right now. This chase is awesome. There's like a three-way chase happening. Very cool. Um, Some awesome moments in that first, I would say, 25 minutes of the film. Um, Unfortunately, I didn't think the second arc was quite as good as the first. 
Yeah, I gotta agree with you. Um, and especially about Dracula, I actually think I was a little more fond of him than you were. Yeah. Okay. There was a few moments where he was supposed to be intimidating with his eyes bulging, <laughs> and they mm-hmm. weren't quite as uh, it wasn't quite as exciting, I mm-hmm. guess, or intimidating as something like Boris Karloff was in those right. moments. Um, I will say that you know you talked about Doctor Neiman though. I actually really, just like you, love this mm-hmm. character and his mm-hmm. villainy. Yeah. Maybe one of our best outright bad guys in the Universal Monster series. Mm. Um, yeah. I, his just presence, his selfishness, his double crosses, and how everything wraps up for him at the end of the film is just kind of perfect. Uh, another thing that really helped add to his character, though, and the movie in general, was, well, we actually got some effort here in the filmmaking department, <laughs> right? Not just by the actors, but the lighting, the camera work, the sets. Everything really works to push these characters forward, but especially the lighting in Neiman's case. Because those moments in the box, in the, I want to call it, I keep thinking it's a train, but it's a carriage. Those moments in the carriage really set up that character really well, where he's just illuminated perfectly to be this intimidating figure i just absolutely love it uh, you know and, and the money just thrown at this film in general for, you know for the first big crossover is pretty impressive it really shows uh the environments are a character all unto themselves which we haven't seen for a while there are these big sets with lots of detail lots of things happening it's just really cool to see these elements, you know, kind of drive the film because the story is just kind of doing its own thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So were, were any of these elements <laughs> doing Yeah, the plot to... isn't really important in this film. <laughs> no, no, it's definitely a weak point. <laughs> I'm trying to recap the plot right now in my head and I'm like what what did happen to this film really <laughs> uh, Dude, I mean it's, it's it's really it's really Dr. Neiman trying to get revenge on these people that did him wrong that he feels like did him wrong while our three monsters kind of play major roles in that revenge story right right <laughs> uh, yeah no I am with you this film is cinematic um so I committed kind of a carnal sin of uh, cinephile Alex, and I had to watch this film on my phone <laughs> uh, as I was traveling because I had no other chance to, to watch it. Uh, and I just kept thinking to myself, man, I need to watch this on a bigger screen because there are really some beautiful shots happening here. It's just a great film to look at. Yes. Um, Really impressive. Uh, so credit goes to the director, Earl Kitten, who I believe directs House of Dracula that we'll watch next week. It just things like that ice cave. That ice cave was awesome. Yes. <laughs> uh, just different little small things that they didn't have to do uh, that they could have saved money on probably, right? Mm-hmm. But it didn't feel like they did. They, they really did kind of go all out with this. And so I appreciated that. Um, but yeah, I think he, he definitely brought some of the best of these films to the forefront. Though I would say, as, as I was saying before, the second arc for me isn't quite as impressive just because it becomes more of a repetition of what we've seen before. It's just the weaker element. I did like Daniel, um, who was uh, Neiman's assistant. 
And I liked his fascination and infatuation with the gypsy dancer because it definitely rung true, right? He sees her as a symbol of grace and beauty um, that he will never have. And I think that story bit really adds some pathos to this film. Uh, but I, I didn't buy the romance between her <laughs> and Larry Talbot. Now, yeah. I'm still not sure why all these films are portraying Lon Chaney as this like dream boat, right? Yeah. Like, I don't understand <laughs> that necessarily. Maybe it's a 1940s thing and I just don't get it. <laughs> uh, but I'll leave that mystery for another day. For today, <laughs> I'll question why Larry falls for Alonka at all, who is that gypsy dancer woman. It just doesn't make sense. I, I do love the Wolfman as the sad sack depressive type. He's awesome. <laughs> right. Right. It, it is tragic. Um, but that contradicts him falling for her though. Maybe I'm overselling him falling when it was mostly her. Yeah. That, that's kind of how it feels in the film. But I'm with you. It doesn't quite work for me, but it, it, it does feel a lot more like her falling for him. And he just kind of like, eh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in a lot of ways, but <laughs> Um, you know, I've, I've talked pretty positively about this film. There are some pretty big downsides though, to the film, uh, as well. You know, I love the way the, like the wanton destruction of our, of these loving, like these characters that people love, right. All yeah. our monsters, like, like we just unceremoniously kill them off. They're all which, dead in like a minute. <laughs> yeah. Like it's somewhat disappointing. Uh, and there's like no buildup, but it's also kind of somewhat fitting for some of them. Like Lon Chaney's uh, Wolfman, I was actually okay with it. Like, like it was pretty fitting. Dracula, yeah. man, that was a shocker. That was like a nice little. Uh, actually, really liked it just because it told me like you don't know what to expect in this movie, and so it kind of set the tone there. Uh, so when Wolfman dies, I, it feels like a nice cap to his character. But then we get like this weird thing with the monster who let's just go ahead and say it. The universal monster movies are now calling the monster Frankenstein, right? I mean, the title mm-hmm. is called Frankenstein and he's not anywhere in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, <laughs> and he just, he picks up, you know, and he picks him up and he just walks into the bog. It's like, yeah, are you still blind? <laughs> like, like what's happening here? I don't understand. <laughs> what this is like it's it's kind of humorous not on purpose it's it's kind of dark kind of maybe on purpose and it is fitting it is fitting it's a fitting demise for the doctor i will say but you know the the film while it spent all this money and it really corrected a lot of things that have been missing in the universal monster series for quite a while now um they didn't quite spare no expense because they didn't buy an ending Mm -hmm. and they just cut this thing off. And it just feels like despite going all out, we've rushed everything. Yeah. And that's, that really puts a damper on this, like this monster mash, because it feels like all the ideas are kind of in place. Uh, Just the execution was kind of lacking in some of it. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Um, the ending feels so rushed because all five of our main characters at the end meet their end in about the last five minutes. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? I'll take quicksand any day. It's <laughs> quicksand is the irrational fear from our childhood, Alex, <laughs> that true. we'll just never ever encounter in our lives. 
<laughs> We've all been scared of quicksand at one point in our lives. <laughs> and no no one that I know has ever encountered any quicksand ever. So <laughs> great for a movie though. I love it. Uh overall though, I- I'm glad to see my three favorite universal monsters in a film together. I, I have decided that I think these are my three favorite, Alex, because we haven't met the creature uh, from the Black Lagoon yet, so I right. can't count the creature. But these three, they just have distinct personalities with real flavor yeah. versus our other two. I, Invisible Man just is starting to feel like the spiteful huckster to me, right? And the <laughs> mummy has just no personality whatsoever. Right. So the Wolfman, though, brings that real sense of tragedy as – Dracula and Frankenstein to an extent, though I think Frankenstein in this film is tragically underused. I, I wish we had more Frankenstein. Uh, I mean, we just got nothing uh, pretty much with Frankenstein. So here's to hoping we see more of the monster yeah. in next week's cro- crossover. I wonder if the limited use of Frankenstein is because of what has happened in the canon of the film. Like they've put themselves in a corner with this character, you know. This is yeah. actually Igor in the mind of Frankenstein. <laughs> and he was blinded two movies ago. Technically, yeah. He might still be blind. <laughs> and we don't know if he's still blind or not. Because he yeah. walks into a bog. So it seems like he is, but maybe not. We don't know. Maybe. So yeah. it just feels like they put themselves in a corner with that monster. They did. And it's, it's weird. Universal kind of does this thing where it's like they partially have a continuity but they don't really have a continuity well, so they just pick yeah. and choose what sort of details they want to continue from film to film yeah wolfman so like, and frankenstein are the only ones that have any continuity <laughs> like that has that has been consistent dracula i guess is kind the, of consistent the first right? two though right it's just dracula and daughter of dracula yes. and then there's been no consistency since yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, man. It's interesting. It's it's interesting how there's some continuity. It's kind of picky and choosy. Ah, yeah. We'll see about next week. Because uh, I have a feeling some of these deaths <laughs> might be undone in House oh, yeah. of Dracula. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm interested to see how they are undone. Justified? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, well... MVM Plus this week, Alex. This week on MVM Plus, we kind of did a little bit of catch-up because we've been so busy ourselves. So we talked a little bit about um, a few things that that we've been watching, but really uh, kind of what we've been up to recently. What, what did we talk about? It's been so long. It's been, it's been 30 minutes already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just talked a little bit about uh, the aquarium. And how oh, wow. Well, we, we did talk about aquarium. Uh, yeah. We, we busted my two-month-old's chops about their cry, I think. Um, that's right. That's and then right. we... Love Alfie. But we also briefly talked about a little bit of... I, I just mentioned The Boys for a little bit, and then Multiverse. And we're, we kind of mentioned some future MVM plans, and also maybe some future podcast appearances. Uh, that's that true. Oh, we did have talk going about on. that. Mm, mm, good stuff. That's over there at patreon.com forward slash Pod. But let's go ahead and get into our awards, Alex. Compelling character award. Who'd you have this week? I gave it to Lawrence Talbot. Mm. I, I, you know, I'm glad oh, I had Larry. this tried. Yeah, Larry. Uh, no, all, his friends used to call him Larry. 
Uh, <laughs> I really like that line, actually. <laughs> it was a good line. That's actually, a, that's a really good line. Yeah, I actually really like that. Yeah, that's <laughs> oh, great. Um, yeah, but I just I like having this sad sack character that's like completely oh, yeah. miserable by his existence. Um, it's kind of refreshing in this universe, and I like the way the the ending he gets. Like he's totally cool with going down this way. Yeah, right. I mean, he yeah. dies with a smile on his face. He's just glad to finally have it over. He always wants to die. Yes, he does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. I, I love. I honestly love it though. Like I, I, I do. Like Lon, Lon Chaney, sad sack Lon Chaney. I, I am okay with. Like it's just, it's just refreshing for whatever reason. And maybe that is the appeal, right? Maybe that's the. I, I don't know what people see in Lon Chaney. <laughs> uh, but maybe that's the appeal. Maybe it's just like sad sack, sort of like I I don't know. It, it's interesting to say the least, and I don't think he's a bad guy. Like that's the interesting thing too, is he's never been a bad guy. Um, right. Never. Like he doesn't ever do anything when he's Larry or Lawrence um, that would ever deem him as a bad guy. He exactly. is always a good guy um, that is taken over by the Wolfman. So. Yeah, that's a good choice. Good choice. Um, my compelling character is uh, Daniel, um, or as Neiman likes to call him, my friend Daniel, though he doesn't treat him very friendly as the <laughs> <No>. film progresses. <laughs> Poor Daniel. I, I do like that element that I mentioned before of Daniel as this this tragic character. Yeah, I, I like the throwback to some of our um, disfigured characters that we've seen in the past, right? Um this one has a bit more humanity, I, I mm. think, than some of them, and, and so I, I appreciated that. Yeah, I want I want these films to um, really treat these characters as fully human and, and fully capable. And this film gets closer to doing that, though. I will say he he is at the mercy of uh, Doctor Neiman a bit too much. He had some complexity, though. To, to this character. It wasn't a one-sided character. So that's why I say compelling character has to be Daniel for me. Yeah, yeah. He, he's great, especially when he shows interest in Alanka and all that. Really, I really liked that element uh, to the film. So I was glad to see that. And he has that moment where he's angry about, you know, having had to kill these people and not getting any reward because yeah, it's kind of clear he's, he didn't want to, but then he feels like he has to. and yeah. Uh, yeah, more interesting than Igor for sure for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, cool. Uh, most memorable line award. What'd you have? Don't go this way. Quick science, quick science, not this way. Quick science, <laughs> not that way. Quick science, quick science. <laughs> Apparently, Frankenstein is not just blind; he's deaf as well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, oh what about you? Um. So mine comes from Rita, the the newlywed bride. As I said, I really liked some of the banter that they had between. I think his name was Carl, the groom. Yes, that uh, was so Carl fun. And Rita. Yeah, it was just fun, right? Like they were so playful with each other. It, it was it, there was a lot of good energy there. It was said that we got away from those characters, you know, like we had really two distinct arcs here. It was said that, that those characters couldn't remain in the film, but I'm glad it turned out all right for them. This line, though, is not from their banter. It's actually when Carl um, is is coming to see Rita after she's been possessed. She's put on that ring, and so now Ooh. she's possessed. And so she says, it's a wonderful night. 
The darkness beckons to me, another world, a world I see is far away and very near, strange and beautiful world in, one, in which one might be dead and yet alive. It was just that line was so otherworldly and it was so unlike anything that we've seen from her. Uh, it kind of created this this strange tone. Dude, um, I, I, yes, I made a note on this on my notes. It was like yeah. the vibe with this whole possession thing is awesome. Yeah, great. It was one of the, it was probably the best possession like sequence that we've seen, right? Um mm-hmm. And, and there's a great shot when she's saying that, too. It's just we can see her silhouette. She's looking out the window, and you see that her silhouette, but you can't really see her face. And it just creates a great vibe. It's another one of those moments where you're like, wow, this this is pretty cinematic at this point. Again, just beautiful <laughs> to look at. So I love that shot. I love that line. Um, yeah, and it was great acting as well, though not my Can't Believe That Acting Award. Which one was yours? What did you have for Can't Believe the Acting Award, Alex? I had Boris Karloff as Dr. Neiman. Uh, yeah. He's just so phenomenal in this. Like, this might be his favorite role that he's done for me. Yeah, yeah. In the it's definitely Russian one where he series. can express himself the most, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And he shows his actual chops here. Yeah. Really well. And so I just actually loved it. And I just, I loved it. Like, <laughs> just how awful of a person he made this guy like believably yes. be like when he backstabs Dracula, I was like, this man's smarter than I thought he was. And also just more vile than I thought he was. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll add to that in a second. He's definitely the OG of universal, right? Universal mm-hmm. monsters. He's, he's boss. <laughs> he would have been my pick, but I, I will come back to him in a second. I'll, I'll say my, can't believe that acting war. I mentioned this before, but John Carradine as count Dracula I haven't quite been sold on his performance yet. Uh, it was those eyes. <laughs> there's that <laughs> eyes uh, where he like oh, you know, open yes. them really wide, and there's the guy, uh, the first guy that uh, Neiman is trying to get revenge on. Um, uh, I guess it's Carl's grandfather, who just he then has some weird face and is like paralyzed. And I like this this part isn't selling me at all. Exactly. Um, maybe it's just change, and so I, I don't love. I, I like Bella a lot, right? So maybe next week in House of Dracula, he can sell it to me. But this this week, I'll remember his performance for that uh, eyes wide open, completely non intimidating shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What about your Oh, That's a Good Shot award? Uh, so mine's going to be, and I, honestly, I'm forgetting what where this happens, but I believe it is when they are in uh dracula's or not dracula frankenstein's castle and then they find the ice cave it's like on the uh-huh. way to find the ice cave but but they're walking through some rubble and um igor 2.0 falls through the floor mm-hmm. and dr neiman goes to get him and he walks through the rubble yeah. and there's a shot with a wall on yeah. in the middle <laughs> and he goes he walks through the rubble down and then pass the wall, and it's all one shot. It's yep, just yep. so good. <laughs> it is great. It's great. You're curious, like how that all worked out and how that played out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I made note of that one as well. That was that was so good. <laughs> great set. I love that set. Uh, yes. Yeah, and that moment was great too because it felt real. You know, like we we're actually watching it happen. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So. 
it's it's that spectacle. This film brought that sense of spectacle. So I appreciated that. Even though we didn't necessarily get everything we wanted, we didn't necessarily get an amazing plot. Um, we got some great spectacle moments. Um, so my Oh, That's a Good Shot award is going to connect back to the your Can't Believe the Acting Award. And it's really this simple shot um, of Boris Karloff's Neiman's character. As he's asking questions to the guy who originally owns the horror yes. shop. And there's it's it's <laughs> raining in the background. There's like a little open window. It's raining in the background. And it's just the close-up of Boris Karloff's face as he's asking these questions and having these realizations and coming to the conclusion that he's about to kill this guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is when I was, I was completely sold on Karloff already as, as this Neiman character. But it was that moment where I was like, oh, this Neiman character is actually evil. Um, mm. It's not just like he, he wasn't unjustly done. Uh, he might have right. been. But now he really is evil. Um, if you had any sympathy for the character, I hope it was gone quickly <laughs> after those moments as he right. calculates what he needs to do and then orders Daniel to do it for him. Um, very interesting, very unlike anything we've seen here uh, in Universal. So I, I was very intrigued in those moments um, and his performance, even just his look. Like he... He is responding so subtly to what is being said, uh, but you just see his wheels turning. Uh, so it was a great moment of acting and just a great framing of that shot overall, just to stick with his face, not to show the other guy uh, while he's talking, but to show Karloff in those moments was a great choice. Uh, so that's my, oh, that's a good shot award. Yeah. Oh, good fake. The good fake. <laughs> what about your unique award, Eric? Yeah, unique award. Unique award. Uh, so I'm not sure who to give this to. This is the foot fetish award. <laughs> it's either going to go to Alonka, who likes to tickle Daniel's calves from underneath the cart, oh. or it goes to Earl C. Kenton, who both has that shot of tickling the calves, which is pretty close to the feet, and also has the shot of after uh, <laughs> Wolfman's been shot, it just has the shot of his feet turning back to normal human feet. Uh, so maybe Kenton has something for feet here. Maybe he's the Quentin Tarantino of his time, Alex. Ooh, maybe you've stumbled upon <laughs> something. Is, is this Tarantino's dad, maybe? Ooh, there we go. <laughs> Long lost dad. <laughs> you always knew Tarantino doesn't have a father figure, right, Alex? That's right. That's right. <laughs> I have no idea, actually. I don't know either. Sorry, Quentin. I know you listen to the show, so. Yeah, sorry, just, Quentin. Just, it's just a joke, Quentin. <laughs> all right alex uh, what about you mine's the uh oh to be frank award and that goes to frankenstein and what it means to be him because it doesn't seem like even the makers of this movie know what frankenstein is anymore <laughs> that's valid as i said that's he's the most underused character here uh you really want to see a character that once for me i I'm curious what you think about this, Alex. What I want to see with Frankenstein is I want to see a character that kind of like um, Dracula. Uh, well, not kind of like Dracula. Kind of like uh, Wolfman just wants to be human, wants to be more human, is longing for that that connection, longing for that intimacy. 
we see that see those moments in the original Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein movie, and even uh, Son of Frankenstein. I thought had some great moments like that, where there was that longing for connection. And I guess there is a slight longing for connection when you think about it. He has this connection to um, Neiman, as he's very protective of Neiman. Uh, he kills Daniel right. in order to protect Neiman, right? But it's a connection based off of a transactional power relationship, right? Versus a real want, a real desire for intimacy, you know, which is what we see in some of the other films. That's how we want to see Frankenstein be used. Maybe we'll see that next week. I hope so. (laughs) I hope so. I just want them to do something with him, man. Yeah, he needs to do something. He needs to do something. That's right. All right. Final thoughts in uh, rating Alex. Do you want me to start or you want to start? Uh, yeah, I want to hear what you think. Okay. Yeah, so I think this film, I think we're both agree that it doesn't quite live up to its potential. And yet I still had a whole lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think it was, it's a pleasure to watch and a pleasure to look at. Um, its plot is pretty nonsensical. Um, <laughs> and yeah. it, it's really two movies put together in a sense uh, because of how distinct the two arcs are. I think the first arc is better than the second arc, which is also unfortunate considering it's only the first 20 minutes or 25 minutes of the movie. Um, So it's only about a third of the film. But with that said, um, I had fun with both parts. Both parts were equally fun to look at. Um, This is a pretty high level gamma tier for me. Um, it's, it's not going to be that Godzilla tier because of unfulfilled potential, but I do think it, it does a lot of what I wanted to see. And so for that, I'm going to give it a, a high gamma rating this time, Alex. Wow. You liked it even more than I thought you did. Okay. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. I mean, if this movie was being based on its first half, its first arc, this would be a definite Godzilla tier for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, if, but- if Dracula could have been. Somehow, if the story was more seamless between the two parts, even, you know, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that would have made a huge difference. Yeah, it really would have. It would have. But unfortunately, that's not the case. We get a really great Dracula arc and then a rushed and unfulfilled Frankenstein and Wolfman arc. And it's just mm-hmm. unfortunate. It does drag the film down because there's a lot of love here from light, from the lighting to the camera work to the most of the characters to... Uh, just so the the effects, like it's just so impressive uh, in almost every way. So it's a shame that the second half of this film just doesn't live up to the first half. So I'm excited for the next movie. Uh, I was expecting to be down on this one. This is definitely a Gamera tier, um, and I just can't wait for the next film. I hope it's I hope it's kind of in the similar vein. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Uh, it'll be fun to see kind of how they bring these characters together again, I think. Yeah. I, 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 how do you do it again? It'll be, I don't know. <laughs> it'll be interesting. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> uh, all right. So, rhyme time this week, similar to last week, probably House of Dracula, Alex. Um, mm-hmm. I think I've been thinking of something. I think I'm stealing one of your rhymes from last week, but I'm just going to go with it. So, okay. Uh, when we watch The House of Dracula, Will we think it's Immacula or will we want to go Bacula uh, to House of Frankenstein? Yeah, We yeah, shall yeah. see. 
Yeah, that was definitely my Immacula was mine for sure. Immacula was you. I thought it was. But, you know, the Bacula part, it just reminded me of uh, a quote from Lost uh, when Jack says, We've got to go Bacula, Kate. We've got to go Bacula. <laughs> that's, exactly, that's, exactly, that's exactly how I remember it. <laughs> that is exactly what was said. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Next week, we go. We finally get to visit Dracula's house. Is it only occupied by a mouse, or is there something uh, worth a louse? Uh, uh, whatever. <laughs> I, thought was you were gonna, I thought you were going to say something. Is there something to arouse? Uh, <laughs> I hope there's something to arouse. <laughs> oh, nice. uh, as always, thank you for listening to Monsters vs. Men. Leave us feedback on the House of Frankenstein at mvmpod.com or email us at mvmpod at gmail.com and we'll read that feedback on the show. You can also follow us and message us on Twitter and Instagram at mvm underscore pod. Become a bargain base mite at patreon.com forward slash mvmpod and receive weekly bonus content, including special reviews, interviews, and host chats. And if you can't join at this time, a review or a share always helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Faye Basier, John Freeman, and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, rock band for PlayStation 3, which forms Cell Block B, Louis Loops, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next time, don't let your human Uber walk you into quicksand. <laughs> and try to <laughs> stay alive. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. Quicksand! 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 Driver! Quicksand!